Well, happy birthday, everyone. If you don't know whose birthday it is, it's your birthday. It's my birthday. It's our birthday as a church four years ago. One, two, three, four years ago, right in here, we started weekly services and we launched on Valentine's weekend. And there was this kind of this play on how much we love Manitou is one of our hashtags early on that we love Manitou. And one of the verses that we talked about uh, in that time because of how much we loved Manitou in the city is Micah 6, 8. And it just so happens to be the Lord's sovereignty that today we are six weeks into our minor prophet sermon series, that it is the sixth minor prophet, which is Micah. And so today we get to talk about on our fourth birthday, Micah chapter six, verse eight, which has been a capstone of our church in how we do ministry. So a good Sunday morning. Let's turn to Micah chapter six. If you would, we'll get right into it. Would you stand with me uh, as we read Micah six, one through eight? If you are able, it says, listen to what the Lord says. And uh, by note, uh, the Lord there is the word Yahweh, the the name um, that was given to Moses when Moses asked him, Lord, what is your name? I am. That's the name of the Lord here. It says, stand up, plead my case before the mountains, let the hills hear what you have to say. Hear you mountains, the Lord's accusation. Listen, you everlasting foundations of the earth, for the Lord has a case against his people. He is lodging a charge against Israel. So the book of Micah, we'll talk about this in a minute, is about the Lord is not happy. It's like he is bringing a court case against his own people. But he reminds them, verse three, my people, have I done, what have I done to you? How have I burdened you? Answer me. And then he mentions these wonderful things that he has done. Verse four, I brought you out of Egypt and redeemed you from the land of slavery, sent Moses to lead you. Also Aaron and Miriam, they're his, uh, Moses' brother and sister. These wonderful people that God has put in charge and led the people through bad times. And verse five says, my people remember what Balak, king of Moab, plotted and what Balaam, son of Beor, answered. This is a story uh, you kind of, got to know your Bible trivia, but the king of Moab sent Balaam to go prophesy against God's people. And God sent a message to this prophet saying, you can't curse these people. They are my people. They are good people. Uh, Remember the journey from Shittim to Gilgal that you may know the righteous acts of the Lord. This is the story of the Lord splitting the Jordan. Many of you probably know the story of the Lord splitting the Red Sea, but the Lord also split the Jordan and let people go across. The Lord has done great and wonderful things for his people. And then the quotes of the Lord end, and here we go with verse six. This is the people's response. Well, what should we do? With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, 10,000 rivers of olive oil? The people are trying to make a deal with the Lord. Like, okay, Lord, can we just give you some money, pay you off? Won't that make you happy? And then they say something horrible. There's something that the, the, the other nations of that day and age did. It's horrible. Shall I offer 
my firstborn for my transgressions, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul. The people are asking the Lord, what do we, what should we do? Should we do these things? Should we pay you off? Should we sacrifice our firstborn? No, 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 no. Here's what the Lord wants. Verse eight, listen to this, brothers and sisters. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly. Love mercy and walk humbly with our Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for these words to act justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly with you. Lord, that is our cry. That is what you are requiring of us. So, Lord, we thank you. We praise you for these words. Encourage us, Lord. Lift us up, Lord, into your kingdom to do your work. We pray in your name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and all God's people shouted with faith. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. How many of you remember when Google Earth came out? Do you remember this was like 17 years ago? Now we kind of just take it for granted and you could see satellite images of anything, anywhere, anytime. But I remember when it came out, like you could look at the building you were in, looking at the building you were in, this inception of like, look at this. This is the house I grew up. Look at this. That's the creek that was behind my house. Look at this. That's our church. This is that. This is this. Look at the parking lot. Oh, that's my car. Oh my gosh. My car is in the parking lot. Oh, this is awesome. Do you remember those days? Like it was wonderful. So right now we are going to zoom out and look at a Google Earth image of the book of Micah. And then we're going to zoom way, way, way in and look at Micah chapter six, verse eight. But first this zoom out, Micah is the sixth book of the, of of the 12 prophets. We call them minor prophets because what they wrote was just a little bit smaller. They composed the 12 books before that make up the last books of the old Testament, right before the new Testament. Testament. And these books are prophecies to different groups. Uh, we talked, talked a couple weeks ago about one prophecy was to Ninevites, one prophecy was to the Edomites. Several of the prophecies are to the northern idolatrous kingdom of the north. But this one, Micah, is a prophecy to God's own people, Judah, their capital, Jerusalem. If there was a song that kind of uh, a modern song for, for Micah, it would be, Hey, Judah. See what I did there? It's to Judah. It's to God's people calling them out. And I will share with you what it was that the people did, their sins, and why the Lord was angry with them. And we will talk about what the Lord's anger is. But I want to zoom out still some more and talk about when Micah prophesied. He prophesied at the same time as the book of Isaiah, a much bigger book. I'm sure you've heard of that book. And it's very interesting to think that they were contemporaries. In fact, they could have known each other personally. There's some scholars that say uh, Micah could have been a student of Isaiah. We don't know for sure, but there is some parallel passages. And by parallel, I mean like exact replica uh, verses, Isaiah chapter four, verse two through four, Micah chapter four, verses uh, one through three are the exact same verses. So either one copied the other one, or they were both copying something else. They were both uh, copying a song or something liturgical, but it's the exact same verses. In fact, it's a very uh, famous verse. It's on the wall outside the UN headquarters in 
New York, New York on First Avenue, there is this set of verses on uh, the, the United Nations headquarters. They will beat their swords into plowshares, their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation. Neither will they train for war anymore. This hope that someday there will be peace. And I know some of your story. I know some of you have served in the military and have seen things and thank you for your service. And the hope is that someday the Lord will make all things right and we will beat our swords into plowshare. There won't be a need for war and only the miracle of Jesus and his righteousness could do that. So that's a famous passage in Micah. Another very famous passage passage in Micah is Micah 5.2 that we say around Christmas time, which is out of Bethlehem will come one from ancient days who will rule. And we all know who was born in Bethlehem. Who was born in Bethlehem? Jesus. And so he is the fulfillment of this very popular passage. And so Micah is this book with great passages. And the overarching Google Earth image of Micah is that they have done what is evil. They have been doing injustice and not obeying the ways of the Lord. And the Lord is angry at them. And the Lord's anger is not something we like to talk about very much. It's throughout Old and New Testament. But the Lord's anger, if it says anything, if I could talk about this for a minute, it does say that he's with us and he's active and he cares about what's going on like a good parent. My parents are right here. They're good parents. I remember growing up, they were at soccer matches, soccer practices, parent-teacher conferences. They were just involved in my life. And if I messed up, They would be angry like any good parent would. I had friends, and now looking back, I think it's kind of a sad situation, but I had friends whose parents really didn't care if they got in huge amounts of trouble. I remember, like in hindsight, I wonder if the parents had some maybe alcohol or drug use addiction. Like they were just not like present in their kid's life. But as a kid, I remember like, your parents aren't gonna drill you for that. Like my parents would kill me if I did that. I was like, no, my parents really don't care. And I remember feeling like jealous. Oh, I wish my parents didn't get angry. I wish that, that how awesome would that be? Actually, like, no, like that's, that's a form of like, they weren't there. That was a form of neglect that they didn't care that their kid did that. And so we have a Lord who is with us, who wants what is right and good, who wants us to follow in his ways. And when we don't, he is angered. And I think we should think about that as like a good parent looking after their children. Because several times, God in this passage, Micah 6, says, my people, my people. He reminds them, you are my people, but I am angry with you because you are doing injustice. And we'll talk a little bit more about that injustice. But the Lord says, here's what I want from you. Some of you really like just being told when you need to be somewhere and what you need to do and what you got to fix and what you're going to eat. Right? Anybody else with me? On Thursday night, it wasn't at the men's group. I was with some other uh, couples and uh, the couples were like the other pastors and leaders of like New Life East, New Life Downtown, uh, et cetera. And we were talking, the men kind of got to talking and just kind of laughing. Uh, and it was a lighthearted conversation and we all just kind of agreed and said, wouldn't it be nice if our wives just told us like where we need to be and what we need to do? Like we don't need all the details. We don't need this and that. We don't need the why. We just tell us where to be and what to do, right? Any men in the room? nobody's everyone's looking at their wives (laughs) don't say it's funny it's not funny 
But sometimes it's nice to just to be told, like some of us men and women just have a personality. It's like, just tell me, won't you just like summarize? The Bible is huge. God, won't you just tell us what you want us to do? Well, here is that passage. I, I loved teachers that just told you exactly what you want. Some of you in college, in high school, like I loved it when a professor was like, uh, here's what you need to do to get an A in this class. Here's a rubric of like the, your paper needs to have this and needs to be written like this and needs to have a cover and needs to have this and this and this. And I was like, great, good. I know what I need to do to get an A. I hated teachers that were just like, write a term paper on whatever you want. Like what? That makes no sense. And I would turn something in. I wouldn't very good. You didn't tell me what you wanted. Here is a passage where the Lord just tells us, here's what I want from you. Here's what I'm requiring from you. Micah 6, 8, he has shown you, O mortal, your, your translation might say, O man or O human being, he has shown you what is good. There's a phrase the kids are saying these days, because you know me, I'm cool, I'm hip with the kids, right? And, and they, instead of saying, what's up, bro? They'll say, what's good? Have you heard this? It's what the kids are saying. I know this because I'm cool. And I just want you to know that I'm cool. But I always think of this like, what's good, bro? I, and I think of this first. You know what's good? It's this, it's this. This is what the Lord requires. This is what is good, brothers and sisters, to act justly, love mercy, and to walk humbly with our Lord. These are the three things. This is the three-point sermon that is coming your way. This has all been introduction to the three points. Point number one, act justly. This is what we are required to do from our God, to act justly. And the people of God at the time that Micah was written were not acting justly. If you read through the book, and I read through it this morning in my prayer time, he gives examples of here's what you're doing. The rich are taking advantage and becoming even more rich because they are stomping on the heads of the poor and they are stealing and taking from them. Let me contemporize this. Imagine you go home today and you stick your key in the front door and it doesn't work. And you're like, that's weird. It's not that cold. It is that cold, but it's not that cold that your keys don't work. So you're like, that's weird. You go around to the back of the house and you try the back door. You're like, that's weird. My key doesn't even go in. This is odd. You go back to the front and some, a police car rolls up with two officers. And then behind the police car is like a sports car. Nothing wrong with sports car, but this one's like, like a bright green Bugatti or something. Like, why are you driving? It's snowing outside. Why is a Bugatti coming to your house? And some guy pops out with a smile and a slick suit and he holds up a piece of paper and it's the deed to your house. And you're like, how, how do you, what? Like you've changed the locks. Like uh, the policeman, come on guys, this is my house. And you're like, policemen are like, nope, it's his house now. And you're like, what? And he says, like, if you want to live in your house, you want to go back in and get your stuff. You need to pay me rent, whatever your mortgage was, like five times, whatever you were paying, you, you need to pay five times to have your house back. And you're like, what? You go stay with a friend, you make phone calls and you, you figure out that this guy paid off these police officers to, to do what was evil. And you're like, well, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to go down to Manitou City Hall on Monday, tomorrow morning, first thing. And you go into Manitou City Hall and you're like, well, I need to talk to so-and-so, talk to somebody, figure out what's going on here. And you find out everyone has been paid off 
by Mr. Bugatti. And it's not just you, but a whole bunch of people in your neighborhood. This guy is going around buying houses under people through horrible means and then trying to rent them out to the same people for five times as much. This would be horrible, right? Can you imagine being in the cold, like standing out, your key doesn't work, and, and seeing this guy come in? This would be horrible. This was the kind of thing that was happening at Micah's time. And these were God's people doing it. Imagine finding out Mr. Bugatti is claiming to be a Christian. And he's like, oh, I go to church and I'm a Christian. No, this is horrible. You're stealing people's houses and their possessions and you're doing it by very horrible means. This was the kind of thing happening in Judah. And Micah says, God is not happy. He says, you know what the Lord requires. He doesn't want you to show up with like huge shows of sacrifice, like thousands of rams and rivers of olive oil, like, like things that were of like to value wealth in this ancient day. He doesn't need that. What the Lord really wants is justice. That's what he wants you to do, to act just, justly. The Hebrew word is mishpat. He wants you to be just in what you are doing. And our world is pretty broken. And the, the world that we live in, we as Christians, we might not be able to fix the whole world. But what we can do is pledge to be a part of God's world in which he is making all things right. So a question for you as we wrap up point number one is, are you just? Are you being led by the Lord to do what is right and just. Point number two is this, to love mercy. The, the Hebrew word here is chesed. I would, say, I would have you say it, but then you'd be hawking lukies and we'd be spreading coronavirus. So I will just say it. <laughs> but it's this word mercy, like not just go show mercy, but to love showing mercy, to love mercy. We started as a church uh, officially uh, weekly services four years ago. But before that, some of you were with us. Uh, we were meeting monthly. We were meeting as a prayer meeting. We were trying to find a place to meet weekly. And in those early days, people were, would come out of the woodworks like, oh, I'm so glad Man New Life is going to plant a church in Manitou because what we really need to do is punch those witches in the face. Like there was this attitude, like we got to get them. We got to punch those witches in the face. And I've lived in Manitou now, what, 14, 15 years. And I do know some witches. I know people, maybe they wouldn't use that term, but I know people that just talk about Mother Earth and uh, it's, it's an animism, like, like worshiping the trees. I know people who are Wiccan. For lack of a better term, they're witches. And my role, I'm here to tell you, is not to punch them in the face. Our role, my role, our role as a church is to love mercy, to win people over with mercy and kindness and goodness, not to go in wrecking things and fighting. No, 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 no. That's not the way we do things. We make disciples by worshiping, connecting, and serving. And what this looks like, the personality of us as a church follows Micah 6, 8, to act justly, to love mercy. And we'll get to in a minute to walk humbly. But this idea of loving mercy, like 
we just do this. I think it's in our DNA enough now that, that we just love showing mercy. I think about the partnerships we have with the pantry and downtown with St. Andrews. I think about uh, Manitou Mobile and Jane, who's downstairs serving with our kids and Carl. I think about, like, just, was it last Sunday or two Sundays ago, we had a lot of food in our discipleship group. So somebody in here, they know who they are. I won't say their name because they'll be embarrassed, but they're like, I know what to do with all this extra food. Let's take it. Let's just go hang out at Soda Springs Park. Let's give it to homeless people. Let's have conversations and give them a meal. And so that's what they did. Like there wasn't a show about this. There wasn't like a Facebook post. Look what we did. It was just like, this is what we do. This is what we love to do. We love showing mercy to people. This is the way the good news is presented by loving people, loving mercy. Um, I think about no other better way to make disciples, to win people to Christ, to serve our city that we live in other than the local church. Like if, if there's a better way and you're like, I got a better idea, then come tell me and, and we'll consider it. But I think, and I kind of know that the local church in local areas is the power of God on earth. It is the way disciples are made. It is the way that, that disciples are made and then come in and become disciples and learn and grow like the local church in local areas. This is the power of God. This is how we do things by showing mercy locally in local areas. It's a really cool announcement that we get to make today. All the other congregations are also making this announcement um, that, that right now, as of like right now, we are seven congregations. New Life Church is seven congregations, three different languages. But uh, starting very soon, and by Easter, it's going to be uh, fully uh, done, we will be eight congregations because we are, uh, we are connecting with a church that already is. It's going to be New Life Midtown. And so it's Antioch Church. Uh, is like We've been in conversations and relationships with this other church for a very long time. Like I remember uh, the pastor, that, who's the pastor now, Jay Duncan. Uh, I remember going to see him when he was a youth group leader at that church 15 years ago. We just talked about this on Thursday. Remember when me and Evan came down to your church and you were the youth pastor? like, oh yeah, that was awesome. So it's been a really good connection all throughout the years. And it's a mutual like conversation of, yes, we would love to have you be a congregation of New Life. So they are becoming another New Life congregation, New Life Midtown. And so that it's launching March 28th. And officially, that's is that Palm, Palm Sunday is March 28th. And so it'll be official, but that's something to celebrate. That's something to be excited about, that the church of God is growing, that the church is doing something, that the church is in different areas, acting justly, loving mercy. And finally, point number three is to walk humbly. Thank you. Um, what the Lord does not want is big shows of sacrifice. This, this passage, Micah 6, 8, is juxtaposed with the rest of Micah 6, in which the people say, oh, what do you want, God? You want something awesome? You want thousands of rams to be sacrificed? Imagine the show that that would be. Lord, do you want rivers of olive oil? No, no, no. The Lord doesn't want that. What the Lord really wants is for us to walk humbly with him. And this has been a verse um, that, that we, if, if you're on our volunteer team, I'm sure you've heard us talk about this verse a lot. We got it on little mugs for our volunteer appreciation. We had little mugs with printed, act justly, love mercy, walk humbly. And it's just a continual reminder of this is how we do things. And it comes up in conversations when we're making decisions about what should we do? Should we do a huge marketing campaign? Should we blow up this? Should we do this huge event? It's like, well, is that 
walking humbly. Nothing against big events and serving and, and, and going for it and marketing. Nothing against that at all. But are there ways in which that would undercut us walking humbly? I'll give you an example. It's kind of a funny example. But years ago when we were launching, I think it was maybe three or four years ago, we were like, what should we do, New Life Manitou, when the city of Manitou puts on the coffin races? You know the coffin races? People get in coffins and like 10,000 people come to watch like go-kart race coffins go up Manitou Ave. It's the weirdest thing. Welcome to Manitou. Keep Manitou weird. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. What in the world? It's the weirdest thing. It's like, what should we do as Manitou for this weird, like Halloween horror show that happens? And someone was like, half kidding, like, what if we entered into the race and we had like Jesus in the coffin and then like hydraulic lift, like lifts Jesus out and he's got like flags of new life Manitou. (laughs) And we all just kind of laughed and we're like, oh, that'd be sweet. That'd be awesome. And then we thought, no, that's not walking humbly, right? And so it's not... (laughs) And so what we decided to do, well, what would be walking humbly? And so we decided, let's gather some volunteers. And after this event where there's like 10,000 people and trash everywhere, let's just go out into the city with trash bags and pick up trash. Like, let's clean up the city from the revelry that is the coffin races. And let's just act humbly and clean up. And that's what we did. We're like, let's do that. This became like a way, a framework for which we made decisions as a church. Is it walking humbly? Because our Lord Jesus walked very humbly. We live in a world where uh, the limelight and the, the, the spotlight and getting famous is a very big deal. And Jesus was someone who could have been very famous and in the spotlight. And instead, we see him in the Gospels. When the crowd forms, what does he do? It's kind of like he walks away from the crowd. And instead, he hangs out with lepers. Instead, he hangs out with people that are blind. And he prays for them and they're healed. Instead, he hangs out with lame people, people that can't walk or paralyzed. He hangs out with them. He hangs out with the people that are disabled. They have a demon. What are you doing hanging out with this person has a demon? And and Jesus refused the crowd and hung out with the least of these and prayed for them. And they were made well and they were healed. The book of Micah shows us that where there's injustice, we as the church, we are required to act justly, love mercy, and to walk humbly. This is a, it's kind of a simple message, a three point, or just act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly. But it is ridiculously hard to do this without the power of God inside of us. I want to invite you to just listen, sit where you are, stay where you are, and just listen, re-listen to Micah 6, 8. Now that you know a little bit of context, that what was going on was injustices by the people of God. And God is angry at them. And God, in his love, reminds them of all the goodness he has done, and then says, here's what you're supposed to do. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good, And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. So I invite us all to stand up now. On your way up, there's baskets and little communion cups. I invite everyone in here, if you believe in Jesus, if you need his work inside of you to act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly, I invite you to get the communion elements. And then Brett is going to lead us to the table. Let's pray. God, we thank you now for your words to us that you tell us, Lord, exactly what it is you want from us. And Lord, we so desperately need your help 
in acting justly and truly loving mercy and walking humbly with you. So Lord, it's by faith that we come to you. It's, it's with joy knowing that you are a good parent to us, telling us what to do. So Lord, we thank you. We, we invite your presence here. Lord, it's already here. And, and we're coming to your table now to receive from you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.